0: Hi, I'm Nikki, and I'm Wazley, and welcome to Tea Party, a Tea Literary Arts Magazine production. This week, we're going to be talking to one another.
1: Yeah, it's a little Meet the Hosts episode.
0: For this new 2022-2023 season.
1: So we hope you enjoy. So, what are your mediums of choice?
0: So, I am a writer. I do narrative writing, a lot of uh, fantasy, but some more literary work. I write some poetry sometimes, either when I'm really sad or really happy. Like, you can't write a poem when you're just doing when okay. When you're feeling neutral. No. It just doesn't work that um, way. And then I make lots of stuff with my hand. I don't think I've been, like, a real fine visual artist since I was in high school, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely, like, a process artist. Mm-hmm. So, the act of building things that look pretty, you know, mm-hmm. and just enjoying the ride. I don't think I've ever made anything that comes out looking perfect. But I don't think I've ever made something that come out looking boring.
1: Yeah, you're quite the like (laughs) jack of
0: all trades. (laughs) Yeah, I do some crochet. I do some woodworking, lots of painting, Mm -hmm. mosaic, tiling.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So what's your like approach when you're starting a new
0: medium? Well, usually I just get an idea and I can't get it out of my head until I've made it and it's in front of me. Mm -hmm. I could show you lots of notes, lots of sketches that I did when I had an idea during a class. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a music box this fall. Oh, really? Yeah. um, And it, like, plays music? Yeah. um, What what song? uh, It's Cabaret. (laughs) It's the (laughs) title song from Cabaret. Yeah, and it's just a little wooden music box, and I have a drawing in Professor Rudnitsky's John Milton's uh, Paradise Lost course. I think I have notes in the margin about the music box that I wanted to make that now exists, so that's always cool. That's awesome, yeah. So you also have visual arts experience.
1: Yeah, um, I do a lot of painting. I also do a lot of digital art, and I'm a writer. I write novels, I write short stories... I do dabble occasionally in poetry. I actually used to do a lot more poetry than story writing, because I used to be in a poetry club in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, But since then, mostly uh, fiction, yeah.
0: So you and I had a workshop together. We did. Last spring. Mm -hmm. And I had the pleasure of reading one of your pieces. It was uh, Vampire Hunters in the Wild Wild West. Yes. (laughs) And... That piece was probably one of my favorites that we looked at all semester. Thank you. And I wanted to talk to you about the beauty of literary tropes. Mm -hmm. Because I think in a lot of ways, genre fiction in general, but especially like, even in general literary fiction, in any genre of fiction, tropes get looked down upon. Yeah. But your piece was very tropey, and I was in love with every second of it. Um... (laughs) Because it was a broody young vampire hunter mm-hmm. that was also a cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts and feelings about uh, genre fiction, tropes within genre fiction?
1: Well, I guess when I'm writing, I sort of have like two modes. Like there's one where I want to try to write something literary, you know, I want to be like highbrow. But then also like primarily I'm writing for fun, you mm-hmm. know? I want to write something that I want to read. And a lot of times what I want to read is some cowboy vampire. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, they're tropes for a reason. Yes, 100%. Like, they're fun, they're accessible, and they're predictable in the sense that you can be comfortable reading them, like, you sort of know what to expect, but I still think that they're broad enough that it allows leeway for, like, I can still be surprised Mm -hmm. in a cowboy vampire novel, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. So, you mentioned, like, highbrow. So, something that I really enjoy, I read a lot of medieval literature and before, like I was saying, I'm a classic student as well, Mm -hmm. in The Decameron, which is a... Classical piece of Italian literature that came out immediately post-Black Plague Mm -hmm. and is set immediately post-Black Plague. It's like a 100 stories. It's 10 stories a day for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And in one of them, again, this came out in the 1400s, 1500s, there is a story where a prince is on a caravan through the countryside and there is a servant and they get to an inn and there's not enough bedrooms in the inn. Oh
1: my. <laughs> they had to share a bed. They had to share
0: a room at the inn. <laughs> and then, surprise, it's not a servant. It is a princess who has run away from her home kingdom mm-hmm. because her father was oppressive. And these two fall in love and hook up in this inn room that <laughs> they had to they share can. because there weren't enough beds in the yeah. inn. A, tale, Which,
1: as old as time, a
0: tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. Like... The way that that could be read in any fan fiction of any popular work, Mm -hmm. and there it is in this piece of medieval literature that is regarded as very highbrow.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I think that that's really cool, and I think it's an indication of tropes. Again, they're tropes for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, they've always been the stories that people want to read. Yeah. I just think that's super cool.
1: I mean, isn't there, like, fake dating trope in Shakespeare? I'm sure. There's God. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for your writing, do you have any like low row inspirations?
0: I think that YA lit gets a really bad rap. It does. Uh, I'm always afraid
1: to be like, you know what? I started out just reading YA, that's where...
0: Where else are you going to start? I
1: know.
0: When you're getting into reading as an adolescent, you're not going to start with I'm Shakespeare. You're not going to pick up War and Peace. You're Come not. <laughs> no. Not for fun, not on your own time. The thing that's going to feed your passion for reading is the stuff that is accessible and relatable to you. Yeah. And then I think as we grow up, there's an element of nostalgia for it, mm-hmm. but also... It's fun to read.
1: Yeah.
0: And like you were saying before about wanting to write things that you would want to read, mm-hmm. I feel that way myself a lot. So all of the YA, tropey, lowbrow pieces that I was reading when I was 13, 14 to today, yeah. I think there's a decent gap in queer fantasy mm-hmm. that... As a writer writing what I want to read, that's what I want to read. Mm-hmm. So including that in my writing process, it's very natural. Like I'm not sitting down going, oh, I'm going to write queer fantasy. Yeah. I just get ideas for queer fantasy because I'm a queer person who reads fantasy. Yeah. And I think that also as a writer, I owe it to other queer people to write more and fill that gap.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, the piece that I've been working on recently is a terribly tropey found family road trip novel. <laughs> They're from a coven of witches. Mm-hmm. There's an enemy coven. And it's just everything that you've seen before in a tropey teen YA fiction piece. Except it's got a non binary protagonist. Mm-hmm. Which is so absent in the works that I have read.
1: Yeah, actually, when I was in high school and I was writing, like, various novels and stuff, something that I would always include is I was always so frustrated that so many YA books had, like, such a cookie-cutter romance, Mm -hmm. hetero-romance. And I wanted a female friendship novel. Yes, that too! (laughs) So literally like none if you go back and like look at all my novels none of them have romance in it because I I what I wanted to see was like people putting an emphasis on friendship and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it just goes to show that like influences can come from different places, highbrow and lowbrow, also from just like absences. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think that that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz the filling of the gaps in the reading that you want to do.
1: Yeah. And now as I'm on my journey I guess to become a better writer it's now that I think from YA is where I I gained my like love of writing and my love of reading and now that that love has been solidified now I'm moving on to trying to read more classics Mm -hmm. trying to do more reading on like the art of writing and now getting into like some of the more heavier technical stuff but I do feel like having just a you know a basic like love of it from something that doesn't have to be
0: so technically brilliant mm-hmm. is really important yeah absolutely yeah. and the blending of highbrow and lowbrow inspiration mm-hmm. to have tropey kitschy plot lines with technically beautiful writing yeah is also really interesting and lovely to see
1: mm-hmm. i think that's honestly like what i'm going for me as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just want to blend, like, the things that we read in class with the fun yes, of more like, quote-unquote, lowbrow works.
0: Something that one of my favorite young adult writers said that I think about a lot as I'm writing mm-hmm. is that writers aren't creators, they're thieves. Wait, who is it? Maggie Stiefvater. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Literally, I, I, she's like my favorite writer. Yeah. She's yeah. really incredible.
0: <laughs> So that idea that you are picking the pieces of inspiration from your life as a whole Mm -hmm. and putting that into your work rather than coming up with things from scratch that are just you. Yeah. um, I think it ties in well with like the idea of anxiety of influence and Mm -hmm. is something that you're working on. Like how original is it? Mm -hmm. Like that's something that's always going to be there for any creator. And I think really heavily in writers, but remembering that your collective experience and all of the individual pieces are original Yeah, it doesn't make it unoriginal to take influence from the content and experiences that you've had
1: shifting gears a little bit I want to know a little bit about your writing process I know have we, we've all heard of dancing versus planning or
0: whatever it is. The one that I've heard is like architects and gardeners.
1: Oh, I like that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> where like architects are planners who lay out everything before yeah. they do it to make sure that it goes well. Mm-hmm. And gardeners work from the ground up and Let it cultivate grow, it something. It yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely uh, where I sit. I'm a gardener. Again, like I was saying earlier, I never sit down and say, I'm going to start writing something. It's an idea that I have, the same as when I'm making something physical. Yeah. It's an idea that I have that I can't get out of my head until I put it down in some way or another. Mm -hmm. I've had stories come to me in dreams, which sounds silly, but is the truth. Like, pretty detailed plots. So having that happen and then working off of what crumbs my brain gave me and yeah, it really does feel like you're letting it become its own entity. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm making decisions. It doesn't feel like I'm choosing the way that a character reacts to something. It just mm-hmm. feels organic. Like this is a person and this is how they would do this. Yeah. Um, getting to choose like events. That's more of a choice.
1: Yeah, you mean like the specific plot points. Yeah, plot yeah. points.
0: Like who's who's fighting with who. Yeah. Who's dying. Of course. Yeah. Who's succeeding. Like those all feel more like author's choice to me. Mm-hmm. But the way that they feel about the things that they're going through, it feels like it isn't up to me.
1: Yeah. Actually, not to bring STEM into a <laughs> literary Let's podcast. do it. So I'm an engineering major and I'm currently taking a mechanical design class and something that we're talking about is design thinking and it's basically this like new philosophy of approaching designing it could be anything literally the project that i'm doing now is a hose nozzle so you know (laughs) anyway design thinking there's many different ways to put it but the one that i like the best is heart head hands so when you're approaching a project and This doesn't just have to be engineering because I think it matches my writing process perfectly. It starts in my heart with an idea, like maybe like a theme or a feeling that I really want to express. For example, my cowboy vampire novel, I would say it mainly started like as an aesthetic, but there was also strong themes I wanted to explore like... What does it mean to be human? I wanted to explore, like, sibling relationships and family. So I would say that starts in the heart. And then head is when you start to do internal problem solving. Like, what is the plot structure going to look like? What sort of things are going to happen? Like, what kind of ending do I want this to have? Is it going to be, like, a comedy, a tragedy? You know, some of those, like, overarching things and then hands is where you really get technical and now you're like okay we're going to have this 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 and then going even deeper into this sentence moves to this sentence moves to this sentence so yeah i really enjoyed that and i thought it was like at least for me personally really hit like how i approach writing and even art too
0: definitely and what you're saying about the starting in the heart with a particular feeling or aesthetic mm-hmm. The thing that I admire most in writers and the thing that I try hardest to hone in my own work is capturing feelings without using feeling words. Yeah. Because I don't think that there's really good ways to explain and define specific emotions, mm-hmm. but using completely disparate words and textures and... Yeah, it's like mood. Yeah. Yeah. That is the thing that I appreciate most. When I read something and there's no feelings words involved, Mm -hmm. you don't hear that someone is angry or sad, but you read something and you remember a time when you felt exactly the way that a character is feeling. Yeah. I think that that's so special Mm -hmm. and definitely something that is a heart thing. Yeah. I don't know that it can be taught, you know?
1: Yeah, like I think my favorite sort of books are the ones where I finish it and I just like sort of feel sad that it's done, sort mm-hmm. of like nostalgic for the beginning. Yeah. I don't know, like I feel like I've like changed and grown with the characters. That's not something you can like plan out on paper. That no. has to be like totally internal, totally like heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. gears a little bit into like life as an artist like we're, we're both students yes and that's kind of rough mm-hmm. so how do you personally try to like incorporate art into your life or is, or is that something that you're struggling with maybe it
0: is and I notice it most during the summer and during time off from school mm-hmm. because of how much more I create yeah. <laughs> in that time hmm because it does take like energy. It does to create things and yeah. to use your brain to write and read. Because you're making
1: nonstop decisions. Like writing is literally just like giving yourself yeah. decision fatigue.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And during the semester, especially like during the thick of the semester, yeah, it's really difficult for me to even read for pleasure. Yeah. Because also as an English student, like I'm reading, for reading class so well. much, yeah. And if I'm reading five hundred pages a week
1: mm-hmm.
0: for my coursework, I don't want to look at another book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I do a lot of audiobooks. Oh really? Right? Yeah, I do mm-hmm. during the semester, and I think that there's a lot of value in audiobooks. I think that it's kind of looked down upon as like, oh, you didn't read it. Yeah. But also, when I'm making things physically, with my hands, Mm -hmm. I'm always listening to an audiobook. And then when I look at the thing that I made, part of that book is in my head, yeah. (laughs) And if I read that book or listen to that book again, I can remember a specific moment in the thing that I was making. Yeah. Because it happened at the same time as me hearing a scene. That's cool. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Just that connection in my brain being made. Mhm. It could be a study technique, I think.
1: <sighs> no, I think it definitely could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That's something that I really want to work on this semester. I feel like I'm a pretty like type A person. I like to have a plan. I love schedules. I love a to-do list. <laughs> So I think my current approach is that if I want to make time for writing, I have to like specifically schedule it in. So my current approach is that uh, I've scheduled like a couple hours a week where I'm not going to look at my phone, not going to worry about any assignments or anything and just work on writing. And we'll see how it goes. It's just like really difficult when so many things in life are demanding attention Mm -hmm. at all times. It can make personal projects seem not as important in comparison
0: or like you're wasting time in some way which it so isn't yeah i don't think that it's fair that anybody feels any guilt for Mm -hmm. devoting time to something that they're passionate about yeah yeah like you're saying when so much else is going on and you have what personal responsibility um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i can feel like that sometimes
1: Do you have any like particular goals for your art? Like, are you looking to publish or oh. like open a store for your like knickknacks and things that you make, or is it all just like for personal pleasure? Yeah,
0: no. Like I was saying, I think I'm definitely a process artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been selling spoon rings through um, the sp- oh, that's really yeah cool. through the shops at Satchels. Uh-huh. Um, that's exciting. Uh, because they're really fun to make, and I get to make a buck, you know?
1: How do you make a spoon ring?
0: Um, hammers and <laughs> uh-huh. clamps and uh, lots of elbow grease. Mm-hmm. But no, I never set out to make something with the specific purpose of profiting. Mm-hmm. I was just saying to one of my professors the other day, I wish my passions were more lucrative. Um, <laughs> yeah but no I do it anyway because again I'm not doing it for anybody else I'm doing it mm-hmm. for myself and for the enjoyment of the game.
1: Oh so would you like definitely say that you're doing art for like the process more than the final product? Yeah yeah, yeah. definitely
0: I'm very not type A um mm-hmm. <laughs> we got I, a good balance going. Yeah yeah <laughs> I took a personality test when I was in AP psych and I it was scored from like -50 to 50 mm-hmm. where negative was type B and 50 was type A and I got 0. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I guess I'm neither, but mm-hmm. definitely in the way that I work, sprints not marathons, you know. Yeah. And I can't control that. Maybe I could. Maybe I could narrow myself. I
1: don't know. If it works, it works. You know,
0: it's, you know, it's done okay. Um, (laughs) We're okay so far. (laughs) Right. But you talking about setting time aside, I'm a very in the moment kind of guy and I can't hold myself to that kind of schedule. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to want to do that at that hour at that time. I'm terrible at making plans.
1: (laughs) So do you have to like feel the inspiration to write? Definitely.
0: Yeah. A lot of times, Every couple of months, I will sit down and read really old stuff Mm -hmm. that I wrote when I was in high school, which is when I started writing. Yeah. When I was 14, I had a three-month-long manic episode and wrote, I think, 25,000 words of a terrible zombie apocalypse novel.
1: I love
0: that. Yeah, (laughs) it's really bad. And incredibly heteronormative, which is really interesting.
1: Influences of the times. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So like sometimes I'll go back and I'll read that or I'll read other things that I wrote after that that mm-hmm. were much better. And it gives me kind of like a little ego boost because I enjoy reading what I wrote, even yeah. as a 15-year-old kid. And then I'm like, oh, I should I should do this again. And then I will <laughs> yeah. write for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and then something will distract me, and I won't come back for a while. Which is why taking workshops is good for me, because it forces me to, if not write something completely new, then to work on things that I've already started. Yeah. And hold myself to a certain standard, because other people are finally going to be reading it. But yeah, I'm not very good at setting aside time to do specific things.
1: I guess I'm sort of the opposite, because my first major project was also when I was 14. It was a terrible... YA dystopian novel. It was like a mixture of, like, The Hunger Games and Maze Runner. We we got everything in yeah. there. Yeah. But, um, have you heard of Nano Yeah. Yeah, National Novel Writing Month. You're trying to write 50,000 words in a month. That's what I did. So I had, like, a daily writing goal, and I completed it.
0: That's incredible. Yeah,
1: I was really proud of myself. But, yeah, that's, like, my origins. And I still kind of work that way. I don't know, I set... It's not always, like, word count goals, but I do always, like, try to set goals for myself. I don't know. That's just, like, how I work best, I mm-hmm. guess.
0: Yeah, this was this was our syllabus week this week, mm-hmm. and one of my professors had us do a little personal bio that we submitted to him, and, you know, there were a couple of standard questions, name your major pronouns, all those good things, mm-hmm. and then, what are your goals for this course and this semester? And I think what I wrote was, I'm not one for goals. (laughs) Uh, I'm just happy to be here Mm -hmm. and to read books, which is kind of my general approach to life and work. Mm
1: -hmm. I definitely think there's merit in that. I don't know. There's, especially with people who do art, I feel like there's so much pressure to like make it profitable. Mm -hmm. Like I, I consider writing to be like my primary art form, I guess, but I do do a lot of art as well. And for a while I was trying to, I had an art store on Etsy for a little bit. I sold stickers and stuff, but now I don't do that anymore because I don't know, like I want it to kind of just be for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be worrying about like, is everyone else going to like this? Isn't, are enough people seeing this? Is it following the Mm -hmm. trends? I want to be doing it for the process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: so yeah, I think there definitely is merit in like not having a
0: goal. Like mm. I'm just doing it, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. That being said, didn't you like just win an award for a painting that you did? did you,
1: get... <laughs> you guys should check out the T Lit Mag um, latest issue because yeah, I do have a painting in
0: there. Okay, but... very
1: exciting. <laughs> yeah, but that painting I didn't do it like for T. Gotcha. It was just for fun and yeah, then, yeah. It was a beautiful piece. Thank you. <laughs> As far as this podcast goes, I'm just really excited to be, like, highlighting some different artistic voices in Gainesville. I'm excited to get a lot of different mediums on here. We Mm want to have writers, of course, visual artists, musicians. I think last year we had an
0: actor. Yeah?
1: Yeah, so it would be very cool. So, any listeners, if you have someone in mind that you would like to have on the podcast, or if you yourself are an artist um you know you can talk about your writing process it's a little promo as well absolutely yeah definitely check out the T lit mag website and there's uh an info box on there where you can put your in- you can also follow us on
0: instagram at T mag
1: and i mean you might be doing this already but follow our podcast on spotify
0: so much for listening. Before we sign off, we're going to give you a little information about what we are currently reading. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm currently reading Frankenstein. I'm actually doing a little book club with my roommates. We had our first meeting on Friday and we all dressed in like gothic outfits and light a bunch of candles and just talk about Frankenstein. And I
0: love it. (laughs) That's incredible. Mm I am currently reading uh, The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. It's a Cornerstone of Latin American uh, magical realism fiction, and it's really beautiful. I'm also reading Cloud Atlas for Dr. Wegner's sci-fi literature class. Shout out! Mm-hmm. Shout out to Weg. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's like an epistolary, told through letters and personal diary entries and logs, which is a really interesting format that I've never played with before, but I'm enjoying it a lot. Nice. So
1: thank you again for listening and tune in for the next episode.